Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Hello and welcome to the Everything is Black and White podcast. It's time for the match preview. Newcastle will take on Bournemouth this Saturday up at St James's Park. The Premier League restarts following the postponement of games after the death of Queen Elizabeth II. I'm Andrew Musgrove, joined as usual for the match preview by John Gibson. And John, very happy that football is back. Oh, very much so. Um, And I think it it can be linked in very much to paying tributes to the Queen. Um, This week already we've had a Great North Run took place. Uh, Newcastle Falcons played up here at the rugby. Um, The St Ledger, the the Queen's great love of racing, the St Ledger was running her honour. Uh, And we've had the Champions League back, the full English Football League back midweek. And we eventually get back this weekend to the Premier League. And I I like the idea that we can pay homage to what the Queen meant for so long, 70 years, and, and, and also welcome King Charles by the wonder of sport. There's nothing greater than a sports occasion for bringing together people. Uh, There's no greater arena to do that in than St James's Park. Atmospheric, uh, since war flags come along, a new ownership, a new manager, a new optimism. And I think St James's Park will do the Queen, and to a certain extent, King Charles, because he's been welcomed to, will do them proud um, on Saturday because it is the best, most emotive, emotional uh, stadium on planet football at the moment. And it, that really, I say that not as a biased Geordie, but because I think it's a fact. And um, I, I think that emotion can be conveyed to the rest of the country about what people think and thought about the Queen. So I think bringing it back is absolutely right. Let people rejoice in a reign and and hopefully launch King Charles into a fascinating reign. It's not going to be as long, but let's hope it, it it's long enough. Um, and I think it's perfect to come back, and I think it ought to come back, and I think it, it allows sport and all the people that love sport to come together in celebration of a life. Um, It is right to bring it back, even though we have the state funeral a couple of days later, of course. Yeah, I'm just clarify when I said I'm very happy the football's back. Obviously, it's not the most important thing, but I'm happy that football fans are going to get the chance to show their respect to Queen Elizabeth. It should have been on last week, and we're going over old ground here because I'm sure, John, you've voiced your opinions. You guys listening to this will know uh, the opinions of myself. It should have been on last week football fans would have paid their respects in the right way we saw with the Great North Run 
how it yep. could be done other, with other 60,000. Exactly, it, the cricket. So, rugby at the Falcons. Was yeah, on. as we say, all ground. The game is going ahead, thankfully. And, you know, it will be a very emotional moment. And I'm sure Newcastle United fans will do the city and the region very, very proud and paying their respects to the Queen. On to the football, yeah. John. Obviously, this game comes with a bit of a backstory. Bournemouth yeah. it is, Eddie Howe's old club, yeah. where he built his reputation, where it went very, very sour. Obviously, Bournemouth were relegated under his tenure, but what he had done previously meant he had enough credit in the bank to still be named, still be listed as one of these great English managers. Did well enough to pass uh, the initial interview stage at Newcastle, get down in the final oh. two, you know, finally get the job. It's going to be an interesting matchup. Yeah, I mean, without a shadow of doubt, uh, Eddie Howe is uh, the greatest manager Bournemouth have ever had. And um, I know that they've had uh, Harry Redknapp and people like that, but talking about the longevity of the fella, they've taken him from the, the, the bottom division in the Football League into the Premier League, being a player, everything about him. He was the sort of Joe Harvey of Bournemouth, if you like, that, that played and managed and managed successfully and um, was terrific for the club. Yes, they had um, Harry Redknapp, who hit the stars, etc., etc., and charismatic guy. Um but, I mean, this is an interesting match because it's the first time Eddie Howe's faced uh, Bournemouth since he left them. Uh, and, of course, as you say, uh, they were relegated in his last season, but that is often... If you stay around long enough, that's what happens. Uh, but you're still a legend at that club. I mean, a lot of people don't realise in the mists of time that Brian Clough was relegated in his last season at Nottingham Forest. But he's still the biggest legend they've ever had or ever likely to have, uh, winning the uh, European Cup twice, etc., etc. Uh, so he's a legend there, and there's no doubt that Eddie Howe was a legend at Bournemouth. Um, it's a bit unfortunate for the, from Callum Wilson's point of view that he's not part of it because it's the great Bournemouth reunion, isn't it? We've got a quarter of Bournemouth up here because we've got Eddie Howe, we've got, without Tyndall in the back room staff, and we've got Callum Wilson, and no doubt involved in some way, even if it's only off the bench or on the bench, you'll have Ryan Fraser and Matt Ritchie as well. So it's quite an emotional. However, having said that, we want to take emotion totally out of it, give Bournemouth a good tonking, send them back to the south coast and say thank you very much. Yeah, Newcastle need a win. It is as simple as that. They have seven points on the board, which is actually the same amount as Bournemouth, but Newcastle haven't picked up a win since that opening no, day of the season. I, I mean, however we dress it up, and the performances have not been bad, they're just the results have not measured up to the performances. Uh but however we want to dress it up, and we are very optimistic by nature up here, but we have every reason to be optimistic right now because the club is without question uh, heading in the right direction. But facts are still facts, and we've only won one out of six, and that's got to change. And isn't it staggering that a club like Bournemouth, who lost by three goals to Arsenal, four goals to Manchester City and nine goals to Liverpool have won twice as many Premier League matches as Newcastle. They've won two and we've won one. 
Now, in Bournemouth, we were one's favourites for uh, relegation before the season started because they hadn't got going in the transfer market. Um, some side that comes up goes straight back down uh, in Bournemouth with the favourites. But, um, you know, they get beat nine at Liverpool. The sack, an ex Jory player, um, playing for Jory Land, not a Jory, Scott Parker in the takeoff. They get a note note at Wolves and a 3 2 against Forest. Um, so interesting, but uh, this is a match, as you said, no ifs, no buts, no maybes. Newcastle need to win. Yeah, Bournemouth conceded 18 goals so far. Well, this when you season. concede nine in a game, you have conceded a lot in total. I mean, if you're Alexander Isaac, you'll be licking your lips at this prospect. I'm sure oh. Ali House, you know, showing, showing them all DVDs and, and, and videos of, of how Bournemouth can, can be get got at. And I'm sure if you're a striker like Isaac with the quality, you should have scored against Crystal Palace. So you'll be looking to right that wrong. No you will question. be looking forward to this game. Yeah, and looking forward to doing it in front of his home fans, in front of 50,000 Geordies, because he had two contrasting games, didn't he? His game was sensational at Liverpool when he scored one and really scored two, but was fractionally offside, but for two super, super finishes. Came to St James's Park, had too long to think about it on the run and on goal, tried to dink the goalkeeper, didn't get a tie enough over him. Uh, blocked off it, it, it slightly disappointing home debut only he was, because the bar was so high yeah, from Liverpool he was, um, he, he, was, he was quiet but I don't think he had necessarily had a bad game I was, he still made some really exciting runs he still looked like he could handle himself physically and yes he should have scored and he didn't have too many chances but I didn't go home thinking goodness me what, what have we signed here I went home thinking he should have scored it'll happen of course, It'll he wouldn't happen. go home saying goodness mate because he can remember Liverpool when he proved <laughs> what a good player he was. The point I'm trying to make is that at home he'll want to perform the way he did at Liverpool. I'm not saying he was poor, as you said, against Palace. He wasn't. But he would be disappointed that he didn't get that goal which would have won the game for us. We needn't have been all upset about um, the, VAR. Uh, yeah. about VAR. Um, but he'll want to put in a performance. And as you say, if you look at their goals against record, even when they won the last game, it forced to let in two, managed to score three. They concede goals by the, the, the bucketful. And this is a match for Isaac to go out and score. Now, for what Newcastle want to achieve this season, and everyone listening to this podcast knows that I've set my bar pretty low, 11th place finish yep. in a cup run. But... The consensus is people wanted like a top seven, top eight. So let's we'll put that on the table for what they want to achieve this season. This has to be a game that they're aiming to win. Well, there's no question about that at all. But I mean, I did say that if you remember going back a fortnight, and it seems an awful long time ago. I said if you're going to play Crystal Palace at home and you're going to finish in the top half, you beat Crystal Palace. Well, of course they did, but VAR decided they didn't, um, so they didn't. But you get the point I'm making. You And you're going to get the silly result. You know, I mean, for goodness sake, we drew it home to Man City. We weren't expecting that. We drew it home to Palace. We weren't expecting that. But we thought we'd lose to City and beat Palace. You're going to get results like Palace. But the secret is you can't have two on the bounce at home. You mm. can't not beat Palace and then not beat Bournemouth. You've got to beat Bournemouth. There's absolutely no question. And incidentally, I think they will. 
I asked Aaron this the other day on our Monday episode about Newcastle and the risk of becoming draw specialists if they draw against Bournemouth, John. Is there a point, and where is that point where we, we, we start turning around and saying, okay, draws aren't good enough, we, we need to start picking up wins? And is that is, do you think that's coming around the corner soon? I think it's here now. Draws not good enough on Sunday. A draw's not good enough. We've drawn too many. A draw's not good enough against Bournemouth. We've got to beat Bournemouth. And we're good enough to beat Bournemouth. And we will beat Bournemouth. That's, actually, that's what we like. We've actually got to go out and do it. Let's look at the starting 11 then, as we always do. No question, Nick Pope will oh. start. Now, I just want to get especially, your... Especially now, by the way, with with Dolo in jet, he's, yes. he's got to start, doesn't he? Well, I just want to get your thoughts on the signing of Luis Carius, of course, former Liverpool man. Uh, had that stink in the Champions League final. Came out, of course, that he was concussed, so, you know, wasn't entirely his fault. Um, does one bad game plus that injury define a career, do you think? Unfortunately, it does in some people's minds. Um, it oughtn't to. Um, but you have a cross to bear. You can play. I was talking to Monty, who's a mate of mine, a scout, Paul Montgomery, who scouted with Bobby Robson just yesterday. We're having lunch. And Oberfirman Martins, is a, our old player, is a hero in Birmingham because he scored the winning goal in the League Cup final when and they'd never won a trophy for Yonks. He had to push it into an empty net from about two inches. But he is a hero. And he's not a hero anywhere else because he was a very average player. So you, you, incidents do define careers. And this guy, bless him, has had to carry that stick and beat himself over the head with it ever since that final. Um, and goalkeepers, it happens that way. They either drop an absolute clanger, which you, or because they get a lot of practice, they produce some worldly saves and forever they're the guy that defied whoever and whoever. It happens. But, and of course, since that finished him at Liverpool, he's gone out on loan a couple of abroad with Germany, etc. That uh, didn't pull up any trees, but I mean, he was basically, had a huge reputation before his unfortunate European Champions League final. Um but when you think we've got to sign a goalkeeper after the transfer deadline, so he's got to be a free agent. I mean, Sod's law that what happened to Darlow after letting Dubravka go is so unfortunate. Um, and, you know, what could we have done better? We tried to get Ben Foster, but, I mean... He's too busy YouTubing. We couldn't get him out the uh, queue to get his pension on, uh, down at the post office, so we didn't get him. But uh, So, you know, we've acted quickly. We've got somebody. We couldn't just go along with Gillespie, so we've got to be satisfied with that. We may never see this guy, you know. A touch wood. In touch wood, we don't, and that's with utmost, utmost respect to the guy himself uh, because to see him, Pope would have to be injured. And... Whether Dubravka is here or Darlow is fit, we wouldn't want Pope injured. Well, I was going to ask you about an injury to a goalkeeper, and thankfully it isn't Nick Pope. It is Jordan Pickford. Now, we have the international break yep. coming up. We have the World Cup yep. in just over two months' time. I mean, this this is a big few weeks for Nick Pope, isn't it? Because assuming Very. he gets called up to the England squad, uh, he's going to probably start, you would assume, with the injury to, to Jordan Pickford. He is in brilliant form at Newcastle United at the moment. We're talking about Newcastle being on seven points. Well, 
a large part of that is down to some of the class no, saves Nick Pope no made, especially against Brighton against uh, Manchester City. So we're hoping for another. Well, well, it's strange because are you hoping for another brilliant performance against uh, against Bournemouth, or are you hoping he's not trouble? That well, 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 he should not have too much to do, <laughs> and that would do us fine. And I think he would be happy with if that. If he's called upon, we're hoping he, he he does what he's been doing so far this yeah, season. But yeah. a big few weeks for him. Because he yes. could, he could really stake his claim massive, for that number one. Massive. It, it, it's him and Rumsdale now. The, the, the Arsenal keeper, isn't it? For uh, at the moment, Pickford will be back for the World Cup, but it's a chance to put a lot of pressure on Pickford. Um, he's a super goalkeeper. If anybody, you know, there was a few people raised the odd eyebrow when we signed him and said, "Well, Dubrovka has never let us down. He's a." Top class goalkeeper. Why do we need another goalkeeper? I'll admit I wasn't yeah. quite in that in that square circle, whatever you want to call it. But I was I was very nearly. Yeah, I mean, you, you, there's a lot of people think like that, and then you see Nick Pope's performances this season. Streets ahead. Oh dear me, length in Northumberland Street, um, without a shadow of doubt. And it also shows people can be improved. I've said before, but you know, we we get burned. Left-sided central defender, magnificent in January, magnificent from then to the end of the season. We stay up comfortably, etc., etc. And we'll go and get Botman, who's a replica, even in height. And and think, well, do we need him when we've got Burn? Well, the answer to everybody that's in that Newcastle team is, don't think you're showing, my friend. Everybody has got somebody that's better than him until you get up to Messi of a few years back and Ronaldo of a few years back, neither of them now. Um, there's always somebody better and they can always be improved and Pope has proved that. And then, but when you look at his Burnley record, I mean, Burnley went down uh, having conceded about roughly off the top of my head about half the goals Newcastle conceded, which was down to him. So they were always in with a chance because he was performing so magnificently. What does he do? in this game and in the weeks after the international break to convince Gareth Southgate that he is England's number one? It's very difficult because... Um, I suppose he's doing everything he can do, isn't he? Really? Yes, there's no more he, he can personally do. Southgate is a bit like Eddie Howe in as much as he's very loyal to whoever's in charge, whoever's in the team. He sticks with that person. And... In a way, he may stick with Pickford until he has two successive clangers. And if that's in the World Cup, it could be too late. Um, but he is a loyal type manager. It is difficult. But, I mean, the wonderful thing is with the Pope knows he's going. And when he had to leave Burnley at the end of last season because they were going in the Championship, he knew he had to stay in the Premier League if he was going to go to the World Cup finals. He stayed in with Newcastle. He's been magnificent. Job achieved. Now he's got to push to try to get the starting. Mm. Um, looking at the defence, another England international, Keown Trippier, we would expect him to be oh. called up as well. Yep. I mean, there's not much more we can say about the absolute class of Keown Trippier. I mean, the bat line, you'd expect the bat line to be unchanged yeah, against you Bournemouth. Would go, you would go uh, Shaw, Botman and Target. Target. I mean, um, simple as that, really, isn't without it? A, without a shadow of a doubt. The only things to be decided, I mean, the team picks itself, apart from, is Bruno and is Maxi fit enough to start? And if they are fit enough to start, to start. And, of course, not having last weekend off increases their chances because, you know, it's give them an extra week of training. 
that for me is only the only two decisions anyhow's got to make is can those two start if they're not fit and they're not back do Newcastle have enough in those positions so on the flank and in the centre to get the better of Bournemouth even if them two yeah, are playing got, yes to get the better of Bournemouth they, they haven't got uh, good enough in those positions to get the better of the top four teams um, because Bruno and Maxi on his day are the cream on the top of the cake uh, and are missed hugely but against Bournemouth, I honestly believe they still have enough. Yes, they do. But let's make certain. I mean, I've been very anxious that these two come back as quickly as they can. Callum Wilson's another one, but we know he's not going to come back for Bournemouth. But they are three top, top, top players by the standard Newcastle are currently at to be missing all in one fell swoop. Bruno, Wilson and Maxi. And we need two of those three back this weekend and the other one back as soon as possible, please. And that's got nothing to do with Isaac or, or any of the other positions. Now, Eddie Howe will hold his press conference, we assume, on Friday. So are we recording this a couple of days prior to that? Mm. We expect, although knowing Eddie Howe, he's not always too open and clear about um, about returning players. No, but he won't we... be. He won't say categorically he is out. Bruno's in but Maxi's out or the other way round or they're both in or they're both out he'll vaguely say there's going to be a late fitness test with both of them and then that I mean I, I know in the old days a lot of fans always say oh, well you could give us more guidance not we ought to know what's happening but he doesn't want to tell Bournemouth what's happening it's all part either. of the, the master it's plan part, isn't it's all it part of the way they play and it's an accepted way of football these days if Bruno comes back and I do I do think you know we've got a better chance seeing Bruno in black and white on Saturday than we do perhaps uh, some maximum but let's say Bruno is back in that side who does he who does he come in for who drops out good question because you go Bruno Joe Linton and then you've got um, you've got Longstaff and Willock for one position oh. if Anderson well, well Anderson for me would, would, would be I think there's a lot of uh, calls for Elliot Anderson to, to start no, this nobody's game nobody's called more than me for it uh, on the podcasts in print online uh, I've beat the gong so much you'd think I was getting paid by is that, is that a cap you're wearing saying play Elliot Anderson this Saturday John that's exactly what it says I uh, I think uh, it would do the lad the world of good. I think, funnily enough, Andrew, this is the sort of game that's perfect for him to play in. You know, you, you don't necessarily want Manchester City or even live a stuttering Liverpool away. Um, yes, you do, because if he's good enough, he's good enough. But against Bournemouth, where we might be driving forward, where he might have time to show his offensive skills, because that's what makes him... A class apart, offence, not defence. It's it's a very, very good game for him. And I would like, whether he played as the third midfielder alongside Bruno and uh, Joe Linton, or whether he played as the wide man in place of some maximum, or in place of Miggy if some, some maximum started, is a matter of choice of Eddie. That's the thing, isn't it? He's He's got a bit of versatility about him. No question. He can play out on that wide. He can play in the centre. He could play as a, a number 10. What do you think is holding Eddie Howe back from starting him? Because a lot of fans would have had him in 
much earlier and of course we we in eddie we trust he, he works with him day in day out on, on the training field he sees a lot more than any of us will ever see in terms of player development and what have you but what do you think might just be holding him back I don't think anybody, anything's holding him back apart from a, a feeling in your own mind, not his mind, the manager's mind. Am I going to be asking too much of this boy too early? I mean, this is a guy who spent last season in League Two. Uh, and to all intents and purposes, I'm pretty certain in the mind of Eddie Howe, at the beginning of this summer, was going to go out on loan again. And then he saw the build of him, he saw him in training every day, he saw he'd filled out, he saw the confidence of him, he saw, he saw him pre-season, he saw him when he took him abroad and said, hey, I think this kid's ready, let's keep him on the bench and slip him in, slip him in, slip him in. When he slipped, slipped him in, the performance of Newcastle has gone up a notch. Mm. So you can't, it is only a matter of time before Anderson gets a start, whether it's Bournemouth, whether it's in the in after the international break, before the World Cup, or after that, and I think it will be not after that, it'll be before that. It's just the courage to put him in, the feeling that he's got the right players around him to give him a chance of shining, and a look at the opposition that you're playing against. And I think it, this match ticks all those boxes. You think that's what it is with, with how we've seen it with some signings where he just takes his time slowly just to yep. bed them in yeah and i suppose it is a bit obviously it is a big step he's a young lad and chucking him in it is, of course it is but it was a big step to put uh Gaza in at one time when he was just a little fat lad eating mars bars but by jove that turned out to be a bit useful wasn't it if you looked at chris waddle when he first came to newcastle when he ran around on the pitch he looked as if he had a sack of coal on his back he was that stooped and bit wet and then you thought all of a sudden he's a swan from being an ugly duckling, and this happens. If you're Jacob Murphy, if you're even Sean Longstaff, Miguel Almiron, and you will be playing day in day out with this this Elliot Arneson and, and 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 noticing what a player he is, and then you see him come on against Crystal Palace and really offer some threat, nearly setting Newcastle up for the win. After I'll also throw Joe Willick into that mix as well. How will you be feeling? Because you you you'll be knowing that you've got this kid, and it's not just a flash in the pan. You know, he, absolutely, he looks like he's got a career ahead of him, and that'll that'll be rattling a few. I would I would think. Well, I hope so because uh, competition's what it's all about. If if you're if you're Willock or Longstaff, you're hoping he gets in on the wing, and if you're Almirin or Murphy, you hope he gets in the centre of midfield, not your position. But I mean, in fairness, people like. Murphy's got to look at themselves, not look at the opposition, look at themselves and, and, and admit to himself, I'm not doing enough to be part of this club after come January. Mm. And if you don't do something about it, you'll go out and loan on January or you'll be sold in January. How important is it now Dan Ashworth's coming and Dan Ashworth's got this big reputation about making sure there's a pathway from the youth mm-hmm. system up to the first team. It, it It's important, isn't it, that the senior first team players can actually see that this is a real thing. That if there was a kid good enough coming through them ranks, yeah, there is now a pathway and there's now a, a, a solid desire to get these kids bedded into the first team squad. And if they're good enough to get into the first I eleven, think Dan Ashworth's done that or encouraged that at Brighton, and 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 so did Eddie Howe at Bournemouth. Now there will be people that will say, when you've got clubs of a limited stature. 
financially, crowd support, etc., as Brighton and Bournemouth, they have to rely to a certain extent on producing good kids that haven't cost a fortune in the transfer market. People like Newcastle in the past have been accused of ignoring kids and going out and buying big stars off the shelf. And I'm going way, way back from the 50s onwards. I'm not talking about the Ashley either. Um, so, yes, but that's got to be established. And Newcastle United, a lot of the things they're doing that are positive are going down that road. They haven't got time to immediately get every great little Geordie lad. They've got to start doing that. But they're important kids in as well, aren't they? They're, they're important. The bright yeah. Galway in uh, Scotland, and they're important to increase that under 18 to under 21 sides, which have been poor. And to sh these guys will be the stars of tomorrow, they hope, in the way that Anderson will be. There's going to be lots to look forward to as a Newcastle United fan. And, but one of the things I'm most looking forward to is seeing the development of the academy because for too long, it has been overlooked. Oh, Under Mike totally. Ashley, you know, you can count the, the players who have come through and made a career out of it on one hand. And I'm so looking forward to seeing proper investment, a proper plan, the right you know, staff in place you've got Dan Ashworth there and Eddie Howe who, who also buy into it and it's going to be so refreshing and yes you know most of them probably won't make it in Newcastle United but how many have come through that academy that have made it elsewhere very very few very at true. the top level Yeah. so I think Dan Ashworth has mentioned previously that it's not all about them pulling on the black and white shirt it's about developing them and if they don't make the cut sure. here they make it elsewhere at the Premier League Championship but I'm so excited just to see because if you look back off the top of the head over the recent past uh, we were hoping Elliot Anderson's going to be the answer to that but you're looking at sort of Dummit, Dummit and Andy Carroll and uh, long staffs. people that's come through and the two longstaffs Sean, who's made the first team, Matty, no, but, but that's, it, that's fine. But really, you're not looking at anybody else that's had a sustained impact off the top of your head. Um, but, and you know, I wrote a book donkeys years ago. I did a lot of things donkeys years ago because I've had plenty of years. And uh, these, this was way, way back, called The Hotbed of Soccer, which was talking about how the Northeast is the... This was at the pump when we had the, the Charlton Brothers and um, the Milburn Clang... Uh, and everybody, and we, we went through Ralph Coates and they played for England and for Burnley and right away through Toshiba and Carrick. Um, this area has produced a host of wonderful, wonderful players, most of which haven't ended up at Newcastle. And, and when three did, three kids, what a Beardling Gascoigne, we flogged them and got relegated. Well done us. That pattern's got to change and I think is when very, very, you know, we've planted the seeds and we haven't quite seen the shoots come through the soil yet, but it's going to be there. That is being addressed. You can't just address the first team. That's essential. That's a given. You know that. But, you know, you can't wear... Uh, a fur coat and have rags on underneath. You've got to get the foundations right as well, and and that's part of the rebuilding Newcastle are doing. It's twofold. It's getting a lot more Elliot Andersons and buying those necessary, like uh, Bruno and Trippier and Pope and Isaac. Getting back to Saturday, then let's say that everybody is fit. Who yeah. starts in that midfield? If everyone is fit, past. 
Yeah, well, obviously Bruno and Joe Linton straight away. Um, I think I might go. Well, it depends where I'm going to put Anderson because yes, if because then your choice is either you go with Longstaff uh, as the third midfielder, and you go with Anderson instead of Miggy. Not necessarily that, or you can move um, uh, some maximum across. I would tend to to leave Miggy for his great North Run efforts, and maybe um, play Anderson as the third midfielder, okay. um, and then St Maximum back. And St Maximum back up front, if because you said if everybody's yeah. fit. Poor Ryan Fraser, then not Ryan Fraser's behind the pecking order, and in, in, in Miggy's ahead of him. Ryan Fraser does well, scurries about. You know what you're going to get. Huge endeavour. A certain amount of scale, exhausted before the hour and a half up. You know what you're going to get with Miggy. Clockwork, uh, bunny, um, run up and down all day long. Smile, the smile of misfortune after a mischance, etc., etc. You know what you're going to get with both. They've both got a place in the current lineup, but they're not the stars of, of a side that's going to be top six or top seven. Yeah. He's scoring this weekend, though. I'll meet one. You heard it here first, right? Oh, we've heard it. Uh, we've heard it all season and all last season. I've and got the uh, faith. He scored once in the last season and a half. But uh, if you keep saying it, you've got to be right at some stage, mate. Because that's that's he's me. Got to score it sometime. And then Isaac. I tell you who's going to score this week. Isaac. That's Isaac. who's going to score yeah. this week. Well, fingers crossed. I mean, if it's Nick Pope scoring, I don't mind. As long as someone uh, scores. Uh, 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 if he scores, it could be an OG. Well, that's that's true. It, the easiest way a goalkeeper scores, so let's not do I've that. I've jinxed it now. <laughs> um, but yeah, you know, unquestionable Isaac it starts because um, you just can't see it coming. They haven't bought Chris Wood not to uh, start Isaac, and he, Chris Wood can come off the bench and hopefully do a bit of damage <sighs> later on. No? No. Moving on. Um, the, the, the the role of the crowd, you know, the last two home games of St. James's Park, they've played a really, really good, uh, you know, important part, as they always do. But I think we're starting to see just how important it really is. And Newcastle, I know they've only won that one game against Forest, but they are starting to build a bit of a fortress, uh, as St. James's Park should be. Oh, it should be in without a question. And you're going to get bumps in the road. Uh, we've got a draw with Manchester City, which was absolutely magnificent. And we've got a draw with Crystal Palace, which was absolutely disappointing. You're going to get both of those things. Um, but the, the standard of play is improved. We're a front-foot team, we're a high-pressing team, we're a, we're a team of good energy. Um, but like I've always said, regardless, the, this football might be a game of entertainment. It might be a form of entertainment, the same as going to the cinema or going to the theatre. But at the end of the day, it's results driven. There's absolutely no question whatsoever about that. Ask Klopp. He'll tell you how results driven it is. Ask Leicester. He'll tell you how it is. Ask Chelsea. But... Therefore, Newcastle must win above all else how, this Saturday. How important is it that they're going to this break with three points? Oh, totally. Absolutely, totally. Because if you don't, it's one win in seven. It doesn't matter that you've only lost one if this was a draw. Uh, because you've had too many draws. You'll have had one win in seven. And um, 
it doesn't matter how we try to camouflage it or justify it, that is disappointing. And also, may I say, not good enough. We can get rid of that this weekend by beating Bournemouth, by having those three extra points to kick us up that table just a little bit from your comfort zone of 11th, which is acceptable to you, but not to me. Um, and if we're going to have a break, you always live on your last result, don't you? You know, when you have a break, you, you either have a spring in your step because you've just done great against Man City or you've beaten Bournemouth or, or you're a bit down in the mouth because you've lost in the 98th minute at Liverpool or you've drawn with Palace who you thought you were going to beat. So you've got to get the right result for a break. Will the injustice of that Crystal Palace game still be burning though inside the, the, the bodies of the players? Because first off, you had Eddie Howe afterwards and he wasn't really up a height which in a way I like. He got a bit of criticism for it, but he wasn't really as angry as uh, you know Jesse Marsh, for example, with Leeds. And then you have, obviously, the West Ham game, which was then postponed. Do you think that, you know, like I said, that sense of injustice will still be burning amongst the Newcastle camp, or is it too long past now? And, no. and that's not Eddie Howe's you know, no. way. But I hope that a sense of injustice is not burning inside every Newcastle player. I hope a sense of falling beneath their high standards is what is burning inside them. Because while we are correct that VAR prevented us from winning, because that was a perfectly legitimate goal, it was an own goal. We had plenty of chances before and we had half an hour afterwards to do something about it. I don't want Newcastle players sitting there burning with the injustice of VAR because that is an excuse. They should have still won regardless of VAR. Regardless of getting that legitimate goal taken off them, we should have still won. And what should be known at them is that we let ourselves down and let the fans down and let the manager down because we ought to have won that game. Not that VAR took it away from us, but that we passed up a great opportunity to get three points because that has got lost behind this VAR thing. Because VAR's a national thing at the moment and because we had the injustice of it um, to follow other injustices like the eight minutes at Liverpool in the Sean Longstaff penalty that never was at, at Wolves, we're suddenly hiding behind VAR. We weren't good enough against, Man uh, against Crystal Palace and the players should realise that and put that right, not burn with injustice of VAR this weekend. And that's what the refreshing thing is, that Eddie Howe, from what he said, he's not going to use it as an excuse. Other managers would have ran with that. Yes, they would. But he knew in his heart, and he's honest to himself as well as with other people. He was naturally upset at VAR because he wanted the three points. But he knew we brought a note upon ourselves. VAR didn't bring it. We brought it upon ourselves because we ought to have won regardless of that being wiped out. Mm. And had we won 2-0, we wouldn't be talking, wouldn't be talking about that VAR goal. Before I get you to give us your prediction as usual, just to remind you guys listening to please remember to like and follow the podcast through your podcast provider. Leave us a rating and review as well. That helps us get the show out to a wider audience. It's totally free to subscribe. Just means with every new episode we upload, you will get a notification to say it's ready to download or listen to. 
And please remember to pass the pod amongst your Newcastle United supporting friends and family. That was a bit of a weird way to say family there. I, got, I couldn't get the words out. Um, prediction time then, John. Yeah. I know for the last preview, Sam got you to give a score prediction. He didn't read his homework notes. So no. we're going to go back just right. to result prediction. Um, this this is an easy one. Newcastle will win, and I'm the great advocate that we shouldn't give scores because that's just a lottery. It's like picking a number out of a hat because you don't know. But I would think with some daylight, let's put it that way, they'll win with some daylight. Um, because I think this side can concede goals, this Bournemouth side. And I think it's about time we scored goals. I think we're centre forward to be looking to score goals. So I'll do a double prediction. One is that Newcastle will win. The other one is Isaac will score. You know, I I, I do think Newcastle United will win, but I, I don't know if it's the old the old trepidation of being a Newcastle United fan. I'm I'm not as I'm not as confident as you are because I think it's it's set up in such a way where you, Newcastle are better than Bournemouth. Bournemouth conceded a bag full of goals. We have a, a £60 million striker who should score, you would think. You potentially have the return of St. Maxman and, and, and Bruno. You have a, a full house. You have the atmosphere. Everything's set up, I think, in Newcastle's favour. And the old the old Newcastle, to me, still still haunts me slightly. So I, I, I do think they'll win. But um, as part of me thinks... You, you sound, which is very understandable, like a jury that lived a decade and a half under Mike Ashley and still can't shake off the trepidation if the fact there's a bogeyman around the corner waiting for us. Um, and I can understand that. Uh, but let's turn it on its head. And I think you used this phrase earlier in this exact podcast. If we don't beat Bournemouth at home, who do we beat? That's very true. That is very true. And that is why, look at that, within a moment, I've changed. We're going to win, John. Newcastle United will beat Bournemouth. There's no question about that. We will beat Bournemouth. Uh, It's a matter of how many. If we don't beat Bournemouth, then next week is is, um, not alarm bells, but is an in-depth investigation into where Newcastle are going results-wise in the immediate future. Well, fingers crossed, we don't need to have that in-depth discussion about where they're going, or maybe we do, but we'll just do it positively because Newcastle will have picked up three points this Saturday. We'll bring you live coverage of that game through our live blog over on chroniclelive.co.uk, bring you all the build-up and all the reaction as well, including a post-match podcast. Thank you very much for listening and enjoy the rest of your week. <laughs>